Five-Year Mission, the podcast, episode 42. This episode of Five-Year Mission, the podcast is brought to you by Fansets, your home for all things pop culture pin related. Head over to fansets.com and see all that they have to offer. And also stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special offer from us here at Five-Year Mission. Well, I figured we record all of it and the stuff that doesn't get edited goes to Patreon for, you know, the Trek Geeks Network, they have the Patreon uh-huh. So they get the unedited stuff. And so I figured instead of just having a bunch of dead space, I'd sit here and <laughs> each was person chat to myself. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that'd be a good idea. I'm trying not to make too much mouth noise wise. That's right. Yeah, I went fix it. Oh, Andy can fix it, right? When he does his what? editing. Fix what now? Cut off your nonsense. If, if it ever goes on longer than like five, you, you 10 seconds, I cut it out anyway. Yeah. Even even for oh, Pedro, want this. Hope oh, this is this is going to be gold, liquid gold. In uh, in Devil in the Dark, uh, it kills what over fifty fifty workers oh. on the on the planet, and in the entirety of TOS, only 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 twenty four red shirts died. So basically, huh. orange hey, is the most orange is the most orange is the most dangerous color to wear on the original series. Hey, save it for the podcast. Yeah, now now repeat I'm, that. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to save that for. The end. The end of the discussion. Devil in the Dark episode, take one. By now you figured out that this is the Five Year Mission podcast. We'll all talk like Andy this time. God, <laughs> I'll just say I'll just, I'll just, that'll I'll, be a great episode. I'll just I'll, <laughs> I, I'll just say I'll just speed everything up in editing. Put it like okay, let's one do and, that. one one and three quarters. Speed. You're not fooling anyone. Uh, welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five Year Mission. <laughs> I'm Andy Ford. I'm myself, as always, <laughs> I'm joined by. Welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five Year Mission. I am Andy Fark. We are here to go with another episode of What Are Little Songs Made Of? This time we are going to be focusing on the episode Devil in the Dark. I'm joined by Mike Rittenhouse. Mike Rittenhouse. That is your name indeed. Also, Mr. Chris Spurgeon over there. You're welcome. Whoa, did you just bust out a Moana reference on us? See, I caught that. I got kids. You know I got I kids. <laughs> I see what's happening here. Oh. And also, down, not last but least, the man that wrote this song that we're going to be focusing on the episode and the song for tonight, Patrick O'Connor. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Andy. Hi. 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 <laughs> Present. <laughs> so this is the second episode in, in a row that we're recording for what are little songs made of. So forgive us. If we don't sound nearly as prepared as the last episode, because I forgot we were doing two episodes tonight. <laughs> so none of us were prepared for this one. I did. I did watch this episode a couple weeks ago, just like this side of paradise and the last water little songs ep- episode that we did. Um, so it's still a little refresher, but I didn't have time to go through the synopsis on my own. So basically it's going to be real time. Me on memory alpha going through and remembering this episode. <laughs> I think it's better if we just try to remember it from our memory instead. Oh of the man, memory. this will be good. So take yeah. t- take it away, Chris. Well, <laughs> so the crew is in these caves, and you're, you're starting way too early. The mining they're colony. In, they're in this. Yeah, it's a mining colony. So they have to like. There's this something that's like boring hole. Oh yeah, something's boring holes in the mine in the mines. I'm not really and into killing people holes. and they have to like find it and kill it. But then they find out, no, this isn't a bad creature. It's a good creature. And then Spike Spock like lays on it and he's like, oh, you know what? This is a good guy. And so then um, they save it. And that's the end. This sounds like See, drunk trick. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been drinking tonight, Chris? I have been like licorice. Poison. This sounds like the, 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 those those were like the elevator pitch 
for this episode basically <laughs> you're like what you're like do, what more do you're you like need? i'm i'm stuck I'm, I'm stuck in an i'm stuck in an elevator with william shatner i'm just gonna recount <laughs> his episodes he's been into him on the way up to our rooms dude dude spock rhymes with rock whoa spock. Are, are we still high from this side of paradise right now <laughs> we'll have spock mind meld with a rock what that's hilarious so the janus four mining colony they're having some issues <laughs> with this thing and boring holes and just just so i'm on the record joined by four right now <laughs> just so i'm on the record i don't enjoy boring holes i enjoy exciting holes anyhow um so they get a distress call from this mining colony because this monster is basically screwing up their work and killing a bunch of people in orange jumpsuits so you know they get a distress call enterprise shows up like two days later because that's the closest they could get and they show up and you know the we're 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 we're, we're gonna get to the orange jumpsuits later what was the name of the planet janus 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 Janus. 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 Janus six. You're Janus. At four, didn't I? Yeah. Because I'm over here reading Roman numerals and I got them. Janus or Janus? I think it's Janus. Janus. I prefer to say Janus because we were talking about boring holes. There's an emergency on Janus six. Sulu warp two. Two. Yeah. yeah. When you got to get there, take the take the slowest route possible. (laughs) But show just a little letter. What if there was like an, an ensign hue? So what, what happens next, Andy? So basically in this time. You can edit that out if you want. Yeah. So basically in this time, like <laughs> like over over 50 people have been killed so far by this creature uh, because like the, you know, they're down there mining. They're like, oh, no, this thing's in the way. Oh, no, it's attacking us. And they don't know why. And so the, the, the entire time, like Enterprise shows up and they're like, well, what seems to be the problem? But also look at these cool rocks that we bust open. Yeah, look at these bouncy balls that we keep on finding everywhere. <laughs> We've just been smashing them. You know, it's, it's fun. It's fun. You ought to try it. It's pretty good. So this game week we started doing. <laughs> so basically they get there, they, they see this creature and, you know, they start trying to phaser the hell out of it. The thing runs off, luckily enough, because made of lava basically and it could burn the crap out of them so you know spock finally realizes that it's, it's made of uh it's it's it's, it's made of uh, silicone the little things that's popping out don't know what they are yet turns out it's eggs <gasps> what this thing the horta is laying eggs all over the place and that's Wait, what so these are mind- you telling me that they've been killing its children that's right. It's they've been they, they've been they've been per, per, performing abortions and they didn't even know it. Wow. He was yeah. there. against okay. its will. <laughs> well, then, then, of course, we have the show stopping Vulcan mind meld with the creature, which is oh, yeah, the probably pain. the coolest part of the episode. Pain. Pain. <laughs> no kill but, but he spells it pretty well considering that he's talking to a rock there's a lot, of dra- a lot of drama going on there i think he was talking to styrofoam yeah <laughs> or a blanket a blanket a with, blanket uh, over a guy somebody underneath it <laughs> yeah but see that's a, that's, a, that's the thing they realize it's like a sentient creature and kirk's yeah. all kill it because he's like he he orders everybody like the entire landing party to like set set phasers to kill <laughs> And so he's just like, yeah, kill it. And Spock's like, no, dude, no. This thing's a living creature. We can't do that. Because, I mean, you know. And it's the last of its kind. Also. And it's the, well, that, that they know of. Prime directive. It, that come, when Kirk's like, you know, telling them to kill it, doesn't, that's prior to understanding that the mining colony is destroying the eggs and that's why it's attacking. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So Kirk sees no other way. He's like, this is a hostile creature. Mm-hmm. And so we have to kill it because we can't just have it going around killing all these people, you know, yeah. the needs of the many and all that. And they have right. no idea it's a sentient life form either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, basically, so Spock is like, no, we can't kill it. We got to capture it. And the, 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 the chief engineer down there is like, is like, uh, uh-uh, we're going to we're going to kill this thing. And if, if we don't have phasers, we're going to use clubs. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you've been trying to phaser this thing it has no effect do you really think and it, this rock monster is going to be affected by clubs it, it can burn through solid rock you think it can't burn through a wooden club right exactly 
the 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 roof collapses because all this this like Scotty tries to do this improvised pump thing to like get all this gas out of the tunnels and everything, and then it fails, and then the roof collapses, and Kirk is trapped in there, and he's convinced that like you know this is the rock monster that did this. We still gotta kill it. Spock's like, dude, no, still, no, this isn't this isn't happening. With Kirk basically distracted, and he was the Spock is the only one that really has access to it. He's like. You know what? I don't care if I burn my fingers off. I'm going to try and mind meld with this thing. Then you get the whole pain, 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 no kill eye. And then, you know, realizes, you know, this is a living creature. It has feelings. It knows what's going on. And so, like, it lets everyone down there know, no, I, I don't want to be killed. These, these are my kids. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt them. Bear it's with pretty me. bloodthirsty in this episode. He's, yeah, yeah, Kirk is really showing some uh, some like big dick energy in this episode. Yeah, he doesn't really take a lot of time to try to understand in this case. I mean, not that Kirk is really all that contem- contemplative, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. He, he just does not. I mean, he's just like, you know, gung ho. Let's let's murder this thing. You know? <laughs> well, he also he's, has pressure from the mining colonists. That, yeah. yeah, I mean. To kill it and let them get back on schedule and that sort of thing. But when did Kirk ever kowtow to anybody? You know, when when it was when it went against what he thought was right. When is when did Kirk ever say, "Well, you know, okay, I understand you need this, so I'll do this instead." No, (laughs) Kirk was always like, "Back off, buddy. We're doing it my way." He he always had to learn his lesson. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't understand before, but I know now. The more you know one of those type of deals so yeah basically after like spock mind melds and everything and uh he's able to actually start communicating with the horta and it turned out that the horta had stolen the pump that scotty had been trying to improvise a new one for um and then finally the horta's like look 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 will you leave me alone if i tell you where your stupid pump is and then the Horta directs them to like where the where it had like hid the pump. And it was like instead of destroying the pump because it's capable. Right, exactly. So like the, the Horta was like, no, I just I just want to I just I just want to piss you guys off. And you know, I'll, 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 I was gonna give it back. Like one of those type of deals. So basically the Horta's like, here, like, here, here's your pump. And the the miners are still all pissed off and want to kill it. And Kirk, Kirk is actually the one finally that steps in between. It's like, look, I will kill the first one of you guys that tries to kill this Horta. And so then he's like stepping up, being being good guy now, now that he fully understands. And, you know, um, so, you know, they they get their pump back and everything. They go back to work. They kind of come to an agreement with the Horta through Spock. Uh we'll leave you alone well, I'll leave you alone, you know, basically that, you know, and then finally everyone gets back up on the ship and everything. And they get word that, you know, um, the, the horse is about to lay some more eggs and it's going to be cool. Because, <laughs> you know, the, it can like replenish its race. And then didn't they're like, the, ah. uh, didn't they come to an agreement with the Horta where the Horta actually helps them dig. Yeah, yeah. Do they help? Like, so they're like, kind of working together at that. Point. Yeah, it's a, like the Horta. Basically, in its free time, when it's not popping out silicon balls, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna help. It's gonna help like transport like a bunch of the debris and ore and things like that, like the minerals out of the mine to like help them out. And it's like, oh, cool, unpaid labor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is basically what it turns into. We won't kill you and your children if you make these holes for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody has their price. Uh, so yeah, at the end, like uh, like the, the according to Memory Alpha, the last line of the synopsis is like the crew returns to the Enterprise and uh, Chief Engineer Vandenberg radios that the Horta have started hatching. Uh, so there's a bunch of new Horta and they've already found they've already found new mineral deposits. Uh, and he actually also mentions that he's actually getting used to their appearance. And, uh, and, and Spock says that the Horta had told him uh, the same thing about humans, that is, the Horta is finally used to the human's appearance. <laughs> so that it's comedy at the end. They all have a good laugh and freeze frame. Well, I mean, you kind of need that because it's a very just dark episode in general. I mean, it's uh, certainly one of the, I mean, not just because it's in the title, but it just happens to be one of the darkest of the original TOS episodes. So yeah, that kind of wraps up uh, the synopsis of uh, devil in the dark uh do, what do what do you guys have to have, have to say about this episode 
Well, uh, not all at once. Learns a lesson. <laughs> I've pretty much injected my he, comments he while you were uh, <laughs> doing That's the true. synopsis. <laughs> true. Uh, it, it's a really good episode. No, this is definitely one, really one of one of my. This is definitely one of my favorite TOS episodes. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's one of those episodes. I mean, nowadays it doesn't seem that that far out there or surprising. Yeah, yeah, but at the time, oh, yeah. like the the whole concept was was just you know very out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very unusual. Very like do no harm kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they go, there's oh, a lot oh. of inspiration behind the Horda too. I mean, when you can, like we said, when you consider it's just basically a blanket of magma, <laughs> right? <laughs> foam that someone is moving around underneath. Um, they did a great job of making it seem like a real creature that you know has these feelings and has this ancient history behind it. But yeah. I think certainly Spock's mind meld steals the show on this one. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, that's that's definitely the most memorable scene in the episode for sure. So uh, a, a little bit of uh, outside of this episode um, trivia, William Shatner's dad died. Oh, that's right. When they were making this episode and he found out like halfway through the week and had to finish filming before he could go leave town to go to the funeral. The funeral. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's amazing how he, you know, was able to keep it together and shoot all this, ep- you know, this, this very intense, intense episode. episode. He, he channeled his, his pathos into the part, which is yeah. maybe that helps explain why he was a little different than we expected in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The other, the other little fun fact about this episode when it originally aired, like first airing uh, this, this was the episode where during the end credits, uh, NBC announced that that Star Trek was coming back for a second season. Oh, nice! Yeah, oh. did not know that. Yeah, so that's a big plus. And also, and also another little weird thing. Well, not really weird for a first season, I guess. But uh, uh, neither uh, Uhura or Sulu appeared in this episode at all. Well, Where most of the Chekhov? episode takes place down in the mine. So yeah, also. yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I mean, you would think they would might need to call back up to the ship and who would like answer the the comm, but where was Chekhov? What about Nurse Chapel? Chekhov was probably hanging out somewhere in the background, like with Khan talking to Khan. Yeah, <laughs> see, Cannon. This explains it now. <laughs> he wasn't promoted. Everybody to has the bridge to take a coffee yet. break sometime. Oh, also a weird one that I just that has read on on Memory Alpha. This is also the only episode that has no female speaking parts in it. No kidding. That's weird. Feminism. Oh, wait a minute. What about the Horda? <laughs> well, that was written. Well, and I, also, know, I know, I know. It also sp- spoke spoke through Spock. It's so not I spoken right. I know. I understand. But is the Horta female? That's right. It could be asexual. Could be. This is also the first episode that featured McCoy talking about how he's a doctor, not something else. And he says, "Bricklayer, doctor, not a bricklayer." Yeah, oh. that's right. That's a, that's a weird little first in this episode. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a reference to um, wasn't they were he was trying to help the Horta or something or somebody. Well, yeah, they were they, they, they were going to try to like fix some of his, some of his injuries that it had suffered, and like right. they yeah. were talking about like basically like spat. He had no it. no idea where to start. Yeah, and also another little fun fact factoid about this: this is this isn't on Memory Alpha. Um, but I always remember this because before I had the stripes and dashes on my sleeve, I'd always get yelled, red shirt, you're going to die. And like every single convention and I'd like show that we did let it be known. Wait, 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 wait. You still get that all the time. Oh, I still get all the, the, time. Stri- <laughs> the stripes and dashes. Yeah. And then, and then I'll point it out. It's like, oh, I'm okay. I got, I got stripes and dashes. No, oh, you're still going to die. It's like, you don't know how this cannon works. Scotty no died three times. Yeah, but he brought him back to life. <laughs> you don't feed the trolls man well just, just let, I'm, them, I'm, I'm, let I'm, them starve well i'm about to shut these trolls it's, down because it yeah, is a I'm fact sure this will work. it's a fact that the most dangerous color to wear on the original series was not red as in the red shirts but the most dangerous color to wear was orange because all these miners that died were wearing orange jumpsuits and they actually said before the enterprise even got there that over 50 men had died and in the original series, only 24 red shirts total died throughout the entire three seasons. So but are we counting people that died off screen before the episode started? 
We absolutely are. Are we counting the people who <laughs> died and came back like Scotty when yeah. he died like five times and came back? Five. <laughs> you just said three like a minute ago. Yeah. You know, I'm not convinced. Up. I'm not convinced that what Nomad brought back was Scotty. Ooh, evil twin. Yeah. Got like a like a William Rikers, no, William and Thomas Rikers situation going on. Something like that. You that are like old Scotty stuck in a beam for years. No. Hey, look, more, I'm talking about Enterprise again. Well, more. No, we're, that's next generation. That's next gen. Damn it. God, Andy. <sighs> Do you know anything about Star Trek? No. Are we still talking about Star Trek? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> more like a invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. Okay. All right. Still in the sci-fi. Genre. So devil in the dark. Yeah, this is, I think this is definitely in probably my, I would say top 15 episodes of TOS. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's in that, that area. I'd mm-hmm. say. I mean, out of, out of 80 episodes. I mean, I, I love this episode. I mean, we got, we got Spock doing a mind meld. Uh, we got Kirk just like, as, like I mentioned earlier, Kirk with that weird big dick energy. And then he learns a lesson. He's like, my bad. I'm going to kill anybody that that messes with this thing now. Upholding the prime directive. That's right. Always. It's nice that he can admit that he made a mistake and he's going to make reparations for it. Yeah. Another, another Kirk, my bad situation, but also another episode where we, we don't have to see Kirk confuse a computer. They are rare. There. (laughs) There's a lot of them. (laughs) So moving on to the song. Patrick, when you first brought this song to us, we were all a little, really thrown off because it was like <laughs> nothing like we'd done before. And it was just like very slow, which we were not used to at that point, but also just definitely the most ambitious one that we'd done, like trying to figure out exactly how to get. Like, I mean, we'd, we already had your demo, but we mm-hmm. like the rest of us were trying to figure out like, what do we play behind all this? So like when it was, so like when you first came up with this concept for this song, what did you like, what, what was your starting point? Like, what was your, what was your thought process? Uh, well, I was actually, I had actually, I think independent of, of the episode, I had come up with the, the two main chord parts of the melody actually. And mm-hmm. I just, when I was watching the episode, it just came back to me that I had this thing and it had it had this very sort of tribal primitive feel to it, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it could work for something that's supposed to be kind of ancient. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, we'll make it from the Hortus point of view, speaking through Spock. Um, and then you know we get that sort of ancient feel, primordial thing going on. And so that I think we we've done that several times since, and you know, ep- uh, songs from a character's point of view that you don't expect. I, th- I think this might be one of the first ones we did. But also, I've, I've always enjoyed doing more experimental music and hadn't had a chance to do it in five-year mission up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this kind of lent itself to that because the episode itself is quite, quite a departure as well, seeing how, you know, they're basically stuck in a dark mining colony for most of it, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to deal with this sentient creature that they, they find out it's sentient. But yeah, I, I think I wanted something tribal and primitive sounding, but that had layers buried in it as well mm. um and the noah's not here to talk about it but i for some reason this stuck in my head um that i gave you guys the demo and he told me after that i listened to it twice you know driving around in my car and it i was nonplussed and then i listened to it a third time and it nearly brought me to tears <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, wow and i and i love that i i think that's and that's the the thing about this song is it is a, it's a departure it's one you have to kind of give it the time to get something out of it. Yeah, because um, I know we, I know we we initially spent a lot of time, like uh, like I said, trying to figure out what to do in the background. Like everybody, like keys yeah. and everything, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the the craziness that Noah wound up doing on that that guitar, Ebo, that guitar yeah. part. And was it what, what's what, what, what's the name of that thing? Uh, technically, Ebo. that's that, that's me playing that. Oh, that's you. Well, oh, <laughs> uh, I, I was going to mention that later. Noah did play a guitar part that's in the recording. Uh, his is more like chords and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, right. I think 
I think he might have tried to emulate that Evo part when we played it live. Evo, okay. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is called an Evo. Uh, I was going to say, this is a song that we actually bought two things for, (laughs) specifically for the song. Uh, We (laughs) bought the Evo, and we also bought mallets. Yeah, because because okay. the, the, the for the entirety of the song up until the very end where the where I play the snare for the first time throughout the whole song, it's all mallets, like that you use oh, on like okay. a timpani or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that that's a big part of the feel of the song. And, yeah, and of course we have uh, Maggie Davis playing uh, violin. Oh, that's right. I forgot this was the violin song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, for, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about with the Ebo, it's a, a thing that you can place on the guitar and it makes it buzz, kind of like if you're playing a, using like a bow for a violin mm-hmm. and just makes the string ring and it gives it a really like electronic kind of distorted electronic sound. And mm-hmm. uh, when you listen to this song, it's the first thing that you hear. It kind of fades in before the song starts. Mm-hmm. That's the, the Ebo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of layered, uh, layered parts on this. Um, I like, I love Mike's bass line. It really, he's, he does more movement, I think, than most of the rest of the music. Yeah. He really kind of drives the song forward a little bit, but there's so many layers of stuff. And I remember at one point I detuned an acoustic guitar and I had all the strings tuned to the same note and just played that note basically you know i played what i wanted it to sound like on there but it it's buried pretty deep in the mix but that was kind of a crazy thing because some of the strings were real tight and others were just like flapping in the wind yeah i was trying to hold them all down at once (laughs) i I, I forgot all about that (laughs) it was a very sort of sonic youth type of approach (laughs) yeah yeah this this was definitely the most experimental we had gotten and uh and I, th- I think definitely bringing in the violin, like yeah, added what, on. What, what was her name? Maggie, Maggie what? Davis. Maggie okay. Davis. Yeah. Yes, I, I didn't mean to to trample over that part of it. I wanted to get back to that. So okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what yeah. you did sounds great. Um, uh, though it- uh, I was gonna say she she actually recorded three tracks, I think, uh-huh. uh, of the entire song where she just made stuff up basically yeah. over uh-huh. the over the the whole song, and I went through. And when editing and picked different little bits that she did and yeah. u- used them throughout the song, uh, mm-hmm. there were, and there were a couple parts that I even moved to a different section because I liked yeah. how it fit that better. Mm. Uh, one, one in particular is right before the second verse where it, there's that instrumental part. Yeah. I know the part them. you mean. Yeah. yeah. And, and she plays it. It's like, it's like, nah, 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 nah. like it kind of like builds yeah. it's like a fight mm-hmm. music. Type yeah. Type and and, and, yeah. and I moved, I moved it. It was like in the middle of a chorus or something. And I moved it there. Cause it, it like really like crescendoed into that, that, that verse. Next verse. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, everything she my, played uh, was great. One of my great regrets about this recording is that I absolutely love what she plays in the first chorus. And when the second chorus comes in, I miss it every time. And I wish we had uh, had doubled it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I really love how it sounds. And then it just seems a little empty the second time. Uh-huh. Uh, but it gets it gets noisier. So it kind of fills in the gap. But I just I miss that melody that's there the first time through. Yeah, this song, this song definitely builds to that whole like that raucous ending, which mm-hmm. is yes. so weird because it's just been like droning beautiful like things like the entire song and then all of a sudden like like patrick that that love that last note that you hold out is is haunting <laughs> oh uh, there, well, there's that's a... that's some studio trickery <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah. so so patrick sang that note and uh he he cuts it off like halfway through uh-huh and so what like i did reversed it right yeah i, I took that, that entire thing that he sang and just reversed it oh see i didn't even know that put it after it so he kind of like it kind of goes through it and then it revert you know like you can hardly tell because this is kind of a solid note Mm -hmm. but yeah it it really works if if you hear if you listen to the recording where it's not cut off at the end Mm -hmm. you can hear him saying the part before it backwards yeah it's you can hear no kill eye the last no kill eye back yeah (laughs) but I, i love how it turned out but I remember when we recorded the vocal for this that I I think I was doing like a guide vocal. I don't think we ever actually finished the vocal. I think I always planned to go back and and redo some of the ending parts mm-hmm. and you Maybe. just fixed it. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> but but I, I don't usually do that. I'm usually a stickler for 
I yeah, want to get it right. You, you know, you but are, in this case, it made sense to to do it that way. Well, yeah. with with the wall of sound that we already had going. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the wall of sound, um, so back when we were recording year two, we were using a version of Pro Tools that had a limit of 32 tracks. Oh. And up to this point, we had not come close. Yeah, we, we had not run out. I mean, I think the yeah. most we had used in any song was like 24 or something. Mm-hmm. But this song, we actually ran out of tracks because, really? yeah. Well, mainly because when we record drums, we re- we record with like eight different microphones mm-hmm. and have, you know, uh-huh. like each drum has its own track. And we did two layers. Yep. So yeah. there were like and, si- 16 drum tracks. Well, and, I, and on top of that, I also also added in per- like background percussion, too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So and that also uh, worked really well because we it got more of the tribal feel of the, mm-hmm. of the thing. Yeah. Sounds like a drum circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we we ran out of tracks. I think we we found a workaround to to get everything we needed in there, but yeah. it definitely challenged us. Now now the Pro Tools we use is unlimited, so oh, we nice. never run into that problem again. Yeah. The, so the, what what I loved about this is like whenever like we get a new listener that's like a little more into music than like just your average person um i always I, I always get the the thing man that that devil in the dark song like gives me such radio head vibes yeah and and, 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 and and of course i can i i always agree with that because i mean i definitely get like a whole yeah like radio head kid a vibe from it i can hear yeah that. i was definitely channeling some tom york singing that one <laughs> tom tom york maybe some like sonic youth thurston more like yep. later, later sonic youth stuff yep Oh, and I don't know, we haven't really mentioned it, but obviously the chorus is just no kill I. Um, mm-hmm. But the verses uh-huh. are the words that Spock speaks yeah. when he's having the mind meld with the horde. We haven't talked about that yet, but yeah, so I, I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, they're almost verbatim uh, what he says in the episode as the horda. So way so to phone it in, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had the no, I mean, the no kill I part worked great with what I was playing. And then the other part, I had a melody, so I just kind of fit that into the melody, I, you know, and I, I made some adjustments so that it would fit, but I think it worked. How about you, Chris? Anything? You, 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 you've been very quiet. Chris, Chris, you, 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 you were on keys for this one, right? I was. And this one was one of those where there, I, I didn't see a lot of, you know, the, the bass part was moving. There was a lot of, a lot of pieces moving here. So it really made more sense to me to have, you know, just add some texture underneath, yeah. which is what some the drones do here. Yeah, it's a very droney key part, so it's not really, it's an easy part to play. Um, and I don't really have, I think I may do some backups on the chorus, just like kind of back in the back a little. I don't know if we did that on the recording or not. I think we played it live a couple times, and I, I threw in some back backing vocals. But this is a this is a pretty laid back song for me. When I first heard the demo, like Noah, I was, I wasn't keyed into it yet. I just didn't, I just, I just didn't get into it. Maybe that was just because I couldn't see the, the vision. You know, it was just a kind of more acoustic. And I, I don't think I really realized the potential of the song until we started building it. You know, and then I started seeing where it was going. I always thought it was kind of, you know, once I realized what it was and how Patrick was taking. The perspective of the horda i you know i thought well that's brilliant you know that's a really good idea and the way he presented it um the song didn't really capture me right away though but once we started building it and and realizing what it was and what it was supposed to be that i really started to appreciate it and i still think it's one of the most nuanced songs that we have it starts very you know it's it's got a really dark feel but um, there's a lot going on. I mean, that's what you get with 32 tracks plus. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's, you know, there's a lot going on. And but it's a really earnest song. You know, it's like this creature is crying out that it wants to live. You know, and it's. I mean, it mirrors what happens in the episode. But to translate that into music and create what we did with it, I think um, really elevates the whole the whole thing so i i think i think it's a great song um 
I don't contribute contribute a whole lot to it. <laughs> you know what I I just add, add some flavor. But I think um, as a whole, we really the way we approached the song and the way we worked on it and and brought it brought it to life. I think we I really I really like what we did with it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought everybody did a great job on this one. The, Sound is very I, very and, uh, wide widescreen. I guess you. I haven't been chiming in just because there's a lot of voices, you know, bumping around, and I, I kept going, ah, uh, ah, you know, like starting <laughs> to say something, and then someone else would jump in. So I just kind of laid back and let it happen until, until I could, until I could, uh, you know, say my piece. So there you go. Much much appreciated. <laughs> How many times have we played this song? I think only once or twice, and it, it's been recently, like in the past couple of years. Like we, well, we never played it. We played time. it at, at Radio Radio, yeah, on uh, May twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. Whoa, is that the only time? Okay. Easy, easy, easy. It was, there, it was accuracy. my birthday, and Neil was in town. Oh, oh yeah, right. That's right. why we played it. It was a yeah. Request. Neil picked the song for part for his set list, and so was we. There- any other time that we ever played it i don't think that we've ever played it any other time did we maybe do it acoustic at one point maybe Maybe, but that doesn't count i feel (laughs) exactly i feel like when when year two first came out we might have played it at like a release show or somewhere no we We didn't we We didn't (laughs) i think there were four songs off of year two that we didn't play at the show and that was one of them because we we also didn't play operation annihilate and I don't think we reason. played Court Martial. That makes sense. And one one of, one of Noah's songs. Well, maybe yeah, maybe we didn't. Maybe we have only played this once. It's, May twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. Song to play live <laughs> when you're um. The videos on YouTube. When you are playing, when you're playing for like forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this song is long, and it just. You know, you want to keep the you want to keep it moving. In keep the, the energy up. Up the momentum of a set, probably. Yeah, yeah. it, it mean, really only playing, works. Like, you know, if we were playing like a two-hour set, you know, you drop this in the middle to just you know, people have been you know, you've been rocking out, and then you drop this in to let people cool off for a minute, and then you go back and you know, to well, to the more upbeat stuff. That makes sense, but in forty-five minutes, it's really hard to. Well, yeah, because I mean, the, the, the song itself, the song itself is, is, is like is five minutes and 45 seconds long. You got to think live, it would probably wind up being more like four minutes and 42 seconds, honestly, because <laughs> everything gets sped up a little bit. <laughs> adrenaline. But this is definitely not one of those like adrenaline songs where it's like, right. You know, I'm so I'm so amped to play this. Oh, one, two, three, four. Nope. I, I always thought it would be great to open with it. I know. I remember you telling us about that <laughs> once, and I was like, and "Just not just because it would be completely unexpected." Would, depending would on the show, would be so confused. <laughs> I would open with this song easily because I think it actually, because of the way it develops, yeah, and it goes from like really quiet and 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 you know, kind of plotting, and I mean that in a good way, and so, you know, and it it gets louder and louder and stronger and stronger. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with Patrick on that. I remember when he suggested it, and I was like, "Yes, let's do this." And then, you know, nope. if Fark won't do it, nobody can do it. So, well, <laughs> well, see, the thing that's, is that this that. this song would be perfect for the second to last song in a set because you kind of cool it down and it has the raucous ending. And they're like, "All right, we got one more," and you hit them with something all hyped up and everything for the final song. Yeah, that works too. I'm a fucking you know, genius. One, two, three, or, four. Operation Annihilate. Good night. Good night. <laughs> or you know, you play the slow song and everybody leaves, and no one hears that last song. So whatever. It's not how it works, Chris. I think that the I think that this song would make a good opening song for a band that is for Modest Mouse. Yeah, like 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 a but like a like a band that is playing somewhere where people. I mean, just, I don't know, just like a national act is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who's, who's well known. You know, we we have we have a a, a nice good fan base, mm-hmm. and a lot of them come to our shows. But you know, I mean, when we're playing like a local show, there's like you know 20 people there that that would know that would know this song, and then right. there's you know another 20 people that have no idea, and 
Andy is worried that we're going to scare off those people who have no idea. I'm going to go. I'm 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 going to go out back and smoke. Yeah. You know what, Mike? I think you just made our new T-shirt. Five-year mission. We have a few nice, good fans. Uh, Several of them pay for this podcast. Sure. (laughs) Or whatever it was that you just said. I had it, and then I lost it when I started talking. Well, we have a recording somewhere. <laughs> well, at, at any rate, yeah, no. At any rate, this 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 is a a song that is difficult to perform live, but I think it I think it worked well. Yeah, I think it went It was that when we were playing that show that Neil uh, for Neil, you suggest. I think that was the one you suggested we open with, uh, with that song for, and I thought it was a great idea. But it's one of those things where. You know, it, it's it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, it could really work, and it could re- or it could really not. And it doesn't. Yep. It might hit, and it might be great, and it might not. Sometimes we want to do that. Sometimes we don't. So it's. I, I like the idea, but we may never do it. Who knows? Um, but I I think that um, I think it's a great song. I think that it's it's a nice. It's just it's it's a nice something to have in a repertoire. You know, something that that we've done, and Chris. just point at it and say, look, we did this great thing it's cool what please 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 do not do do, do not speak french on this podcast (laughs) you haven't been watching your french i don't have to watch mine yours was actual french that's the difference between you and i lousy cheese-eating surrender monkeys simpsons reference for the simpsons fans out there okay i thought you were just being racist no it was willie Willie to had uh, when, 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 when all the teachers went on strike. Willie, when, groundskeeper Willie had to start teaching French. Mm. Bonjour, ya cheese eating surrender monkeys. Not the best Willie impersonation. Now I drive the school bus. <laughs> so I think that wraps it up. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Do the do the wrap up. Come on, man. We'll see you guys next time. That was f-ing horrible. That was it. That's all you need. Really? That's all you need? Just bam, wham, bam, thank you, fans. Give the real one, Andy. Give the real one. Wham, bam, thank you, fans. Hey, do you miss getting new content from Five Year Mission? You should head over to patreon.com slash fiveyearmission and check out our Patreon page. As a patron of the band, you will receive access to rare and behind-the-scenes pictures and videos and other cool stuff. You will also have early access to many things, like video releases or new songs. You can sign up for different levels, from Ensign all the way up to Admiral. One of the perks of being an Admiral on Five Year Mission's Patreon is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. Currently, our producers are Neil Carpenter, Helen Lake, Debbie Rinke, Carol Jones, Becky and Roxy, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Madison Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. Your name could be on this list if you sign up as an admiral. So head over to patreon.com slash five-year mission now. That's the number five-year mission. Fansets.com is your home for all things pop culture pin collectibles. From DC Comics to Batman 66, Scooby-Doo, Irwin Allen, and of course Star Trek, Fansets.com is the place to go for all of those needs. Now, they are going to be in Chicago April 8th through the 10th at Star Trek Mission Chicago from Reed Pop and CBS. They'll have a booth there, so go on, say hi, maybe mention our name, maybe they'll give you a discount there, maybe they'll laugh in your face, that is up to them. But for now, if you head over to fansets.com, fill up your cart, you can get an entire 10% off of your entire order when you enter the discount code 5YEARMISSION. That is the number 5, and then all caps, YEAR MISSION. 5YEAR MISSION. Fill up your cart, check out, pay for some things, but pay 10% less. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank Fansets for sponsoring each and every episode of 5YEAR MISSION, the podcast here on the Trek Geeks Network.
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of What Are Little Songs Made Of? About all about all about. Let me try that one more time. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of What Are Little Songs Made Of? All about devil in the dark. Uh, come on back the next time. We're going to talk about some more things Star Trek related. What it is, I have no clue as of yet, but we're going to figure out something because you want to listen to things that we have to say about Star Trek and our band. For some reason. For some reason. I don't know why you guys keep on coming back. Maybe it's because we're on the Trek Geeks Network and you just feel like throwing us a pity listen because of Bill and Dan. I don't know. Yeah. Apparently you must like really boring mono podcasts. To quote from the song, it's time to sleep. It's over. It's time to sleep. It's over. Good night. <laughs> Good night. John Boy. Good night, Andy. Night, Patrick. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Fiverr Mission Podcast. If any of you are interested in listening to more of our music, you can check us out on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or pretty much anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five Year Mission and we should be the first thing that comes up. If you would like to contact us in regards to the podcast or anything else that you want to talk to us about, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband at gmail.com. And for more information about the band, you can go to fiveyearmission.net and also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Five Year Mission, the podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Uh-huh.